Stay in that attitude. Thank you, Sister Nikki. Thank you so much. Yes, Lord, we praise your name, Lord. We praise your name. We magnify your name, Lord, by doing what your word says to do. We magnify your, Lord, your name, Lord, by knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. The Father in you and you in us, Lord. We magnify your name because we let you make our words. We let you make our decisions. We let you make our choices in the name of Jesus. Meek turn your cheek in the name of Jesus. And that's what we do. We're meek in the name of Jesus. We don't react. We don't fly off the handle. We don't react to situations the way we want to. We don't speak words that we want to. No, we're meek. We turn our cheek. We listen to the love of God. We listen to the love of God. We ask the Holy Spirit how to respond to a situation. We ask the Holy Spirit. And that's how we magnify your name, Lord. That's how we magnify, one way we magnify your name. That's how we lift up the name of Jesus, by being seen as Jesus in the earth. Letting Jesus be seen in us. Letting him see how we react. Letting them see how we speak in the name of Jesus. And we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the word tonight. I thank you for the words that came out of the mouth of Sister Nikki. I thank you for those words in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, yes. As your word ushers forth tonight, Holy Spirit, you'll be moving amongst the people. As your word ushers out tonight, Lord, your words will become alive, Lord. We abide in your words and your words abide in us. So we ask what we will and it's done. We know your will. We're one in you. Your words are alive in us and we're alive in your words in Jesus' name. As we sit there, Lord, open our eyes, open our ears in the name of Jesus. Oh, man, let these words that come out tonight not only be pleasing to you, Lord, but let them magnify your name. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. You may be seated. Thanks again for that wonderful prayer. I'm telling you what, on Wednesday nights, man, I have gotten answers to problems. I have, I have gotten miracles that have happened on Wednesday nights. And, uh, and I love when, when, when Nikki was praying and she said, it doesn't, faith doesn't work by how you feel. It works, it, it works by just what you believe and release. I don't care what I feel. I can't trust my feelings. I have to trust the word of God. If my feelings aren't lining up, so what? I line my feelings up, up with the word of God. And that's when I spend time in his word. So hallelujah. And uh, thank you for coming to the Wednesday night series. Thank you for uh, allowing us to go back to the basics. Anyone here who was in the military, my good friend Samuel back there, Semper Fi, the Marine back there. Everybody knows that um, when you go back to the basics, that's, that's what you need in life. That's really what you need is the basics. It really is. Because it's going to be the basics that's always going to show you what to do. Jesus is talking, right, in Luke 6. Right? And he's talking. He says, I got two guys here that say they love me. They both call me Lord. But one understands my word, right? One does what I say to do, right? And so here comes the temptation. Here comes the trials, right? Here comes the devil. Here comes the bad things in life, right? But he's in the blessing. He's on the victory side, right? He knows who he is. She knows who she is, right? And so they overcome, right? But the other person on the other side, they love the Lord, right? But they don't stay in the basics, right? They don't continue in the word. They don't keep themselves in the word. You know, when I was in the Pentagon, we practiced every day for war. Every day we practiced different scenarios over and over again. Why? So we could stay sharp. So we could understand each other's communications. So that, so that when the sister over here looks at me, right? When Marty looks at me, I know exactly what she's thinking. And as soon as the word starts to come out of her mouth, I know exactly where she's going and what she's doing because we've been spending so much time coordinating in the exercise together that we, we're just rolling. We're just rolling. And things that you were timed on, you're doing them faster. You're doing them quicker. And not only that, you're doing it right the first time. And that's why basics are so important. So hallelujah. So tonight what we're going to talk about is knowing the love of God, knowing God's love. And uh, as Nikki was praying tonight, she was really hitting some good highlights about knowing the love of God. 
Because when you understand who you are in Christ Jesus, when you really understand how much God loves you, there won't be a fear in your heart. I mean, troubled situations will come up, and you'll trust the Lord. You'll begin to trust his word, regardless of what the circumstances are saying around you. And that was what was coming out of her mouth in prayer tonight. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel or what I hear. I mean, you just get on that word. And so what I'd like to do is just talk about that tonight. And last week was wonderful. I mean, did you get something out of that last week? I did. And I always love to tell everybody, you know, Abraham knew God as Adonai, right? And Moses knew him as Jehovah. But these guys didn't know him as father. I mean, you got to think about that. They did not know him as father. They did not have that born-again experience. You and I get that. I'm telling you, what a time we're living in. Glory be to God. Oh, man. So tonight, I want you to know that God loves you. Okay? He does. This is the first thing that comes out of my mouth when I go into the prisons and I talk to guys. Last night, we had a a kid get born again. and And it was all about the love of God. Just tell him God loves him. He's got a plan for his life. And you just begin to start telling him about the blessing. God's not mad at you. There's distractions out there. All you got to do is get born again. Find out who you are in Christ Jesus. Start talking about the blessing and the cursing. You don't have to walk in darkness anymore. Man, and then as the kids started saying the words of Jesus to come into his heart, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, you just get to sit back and you just get to watch the Holy Spirit move on him. And as he's saying those words, tears just start coming down. He's got tattoos all over his face and all over his hands. And tears just start coming down his eyes. Oh, man. It is just a glory to see the Lord work. But I want you to know that he has an eternal plan for you. An eternal plan for you. In Genesis chapter 1, when the Lord started creating the earth, right? He created time, space, the universe. He created time and space so we could sow and reap, right? And we can enjoy the things in this material universe. Oh, man. He made everything good, right? But God's got a plan for it to continue, right? We've got an eternal plan. All right, let's go to Psalms 139. I want to show you something in the Word. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. This is one of the scriptures I always like to talk to individuals about. Because I did this with my kids when they were little. You know, the Lord sings over you. He was singing over you when you were in your mama's belly. When you were in your mama's womb, you were, a, you were a glimmer in God's eyes. So I'm going to go to Psalms 139, and I'm going to go to verse 13. Let's see if I got it. Yeah, I got it. I got a copy of it in the message translation. And I'll start off. It says, oh, yes, you shaped me first inside and then out. You formed me in my mama's womb. Amen. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking, body and soul. Now listen to this. I am marvelously made. There is nobody like you. And we're going to talk about, there is nobody like you. Think about that. You are marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book. You watch me grow from conception to birth. Man, the Lord was watching me, singing over me. Think about that. Saw you in your mother's womb, had a plan and a dream for you. Oh, man, I read in Isaiah where the Lord said he gives both breath and spirit. And, that, and it opened my eyes. You know, because science teaches you you're an animal, right? You just got inherited tra- traits, right? Instincts. It's like, no, no, no. Man, you got a spirit breathed into you. So I don't care where you were born. I don't care what condition you're in. Uh-uh, God put his spirit in you. And when you get born again, it don't matter. Mm. 
Oh, man, you're marvelously made, bit by bit. I was sculpted like an open book. You watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life, hmm, they were spread out before you, right? Right before you. Hmm. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. Your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful, God. I'll never comprehend them. Isn't that what came out of Nikki's mouth when she was praying tonight? The brain tries to comprehend this, right? But the spirit man can, right? Oh, man. Oh, hallelujah. I couldn't even begin to count them any more than I could count the sand of the sea. Oh, let me rise in the morning and live always with you. Oh, hallelujah. And another verse of scriptures I want to read to you tonight is in Jeremiah 29. And it's verse 11 to 14. And I'm going to use the message translation again for this because I like, I like how it was written. He says, hey, guys, listen up. I know what I'm doing, okay? I really like how it started. I know what I'm doing here, okay? I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. It's plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you future and a hope. Ooh, the hope that you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and you want it more than anything else, you begin to cherish it, right? You, ch- you ever cherish something? When you begin to cherish it, right? I'll make, I'll make sure you're not disappointed. I mean, that's God's decree. Oh, hallelujah. You know what Jesus said when you begin to seek the kingdom of heaven? That's when all these things start opening up to you. Oh, man, it's all about love, isn't it? Hey, everybody, take your hands out. I want you to take your hands out and look at your fingers, okay? I want you to look at each finger. Some of you got 10. There might be some people that don't have 10. But look at your fingers, right? Do you know that each one of these fingers has a print on it, right? And not one fingerprint is the same on these fingers right here. I got 10 different fingerprints. Jeremiah, did you know yours are different than mine? Did you know yours are different than mine? Now think about it. How many people are in the world? 7.7 billion people right now. That's what they think is in the world right now. And each one of them has 10 different fingerprints on their hands. And not one of them are the same. Now, I want you to think about the, the kind of God we serve. I mean, the mind and the ability of God to create. Think about that. How special you are. I was, I read this, this group called the Population Reference Bureau. Because I was curious, how many people do you think lived on the earth through time, right? They think about 108 billion people lived on the earth. So out of that 108 billion people, each one of them had a different fingerprint, okay? Your body has 37.2 trillion cells in it. And each cell is like New York City. Each cell has functioning going on it like New York City. I mean, think of the, the water that everyone has in that city. Think of the sewer that everyone has in that city. Think of the electricity and the amount of energy and the amount of cars and all of that that goes on in New York City. And that goes on in one of your 37.2 trillion cells. Now, tell me about evolution. Come on. We've got a designer, and he designed you, okay? Man, and it's functioning perfectly, right? That's the God we serve. So in Psalms 8... If we go to Psalms 8, verses 3 to 6, and the Holy Spirit told me tonight, he says, as I just begin to speak the words, as we begin to just share the love of the Lord here tonight, he's going to start talking to you. And as you start hearing these things, listen up. Mickey was talking about having ears to hear tonight, right? As you start hearing from the Lord, write it down, okay, as he starts talking to you. Psalms chapter 8, verses 3 to 6, I'll be using the King James Version. 
When I consider the heavens and the works of thy fingers, hey, fingers, right? The moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visited him? That word mindful of him, that's the word that's used. It's a covenant word. It's the word that was used when the Lord remembered Noah when he was in the ark. He's mindful of us. He has a covenant with us. And he's mindful of that covenant, right? And it says, and the son of man that he would visit you. That, that's when he visited Sarah. He told her that she was going to have a child. And then he visited her. He, he's, and it means he's watching over his word to perform it on your behalf. So not only is he remembering you and remembering that covenant and those words he said when he designed you and the plan that he gave for you, but he's watching over it to make sure it gets performed. I mean, is that powerful or what? And the angels are sitting there and they're, they're, they're just in amazement. What is man that you, that you are involved with him this way, that you made him? Oh, man, it's powerful, isn't it? In 1 Corinthians, we're going to jump around in some scriptures tonight. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because I want you to see the love that God has for you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 13 to 14, God is speaking through Paul. And he says, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. And we have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Listen, if there's 37.2 trillion souls in your body, imagine what you and I can do together as one. She was talking in her prayers earlier about us coming together as a church and and them seeing, you know, people seeing Jesus in us. Imagine us as a group of individuals beginning to realize arm in arm, joint in joint. Imagine us walking together in love and in unison, each one doing the gifts that the Lord's called us to do and walking in those gifts. And we're all in one body. Jesus is the head, but you and I are the body, right? He's in heaven, but we're on the earth. Man, look, think of that love to be called sons of God when she was praying, praising that. To be called a son and a daughter of God, the angels don't get to say that. You know, I mean, that's powerful. If we go to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. Hallelujah. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. The love of God. One body. One body. Can you see what God's doing? Can you see what Jesus is doing with the love of God? Can you see how he's bringing us together? Each one unique, each one fashioned differently, each one with abilities and talents, right? Each one with an effectiveness that the Lord has designed. And now we're coming together in one spirit, that spirit of love, that spirit of unity, working and moving together, right, for the Lord. Okay? Amen. All right, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus because we love you in Jesus' name. Oh, we love you. We are so thankful for the word of God. We tend to your word. We hear your word with joy in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Ephesians 4. Let's just go one one chapter over to Ephesians 4.16. Okay. 
And I'm just going to read this one verse here. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, okay, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This all works by love. I need you guys. Jesus needs you guys. There is a cause here. He needs you. The body of Christ needs you, okay? He needs you to learn about his love. He needs you to walk in his love, okay? Okay? All right. <laughs> uh, when I was in the military, eyes front, do not be distracted, okay? Because when I was in the military and I was teaching and people started looking the other way as I got in their face. See, see when, you're in, when you're distracted, okay, what happens is, is you allow yourself to get off the mission. And that can be, and you know, in a crucial time, that, that could be, it could be deadly, right? So you always keep your eyes forward, right? I don't care if there's bells going off. I don't care if there's whistles going off. I don't care if, if buildings are blowing up left and right to me. I'm going to be focused on my mission. I'm just going to sit there. Just relax. Because what you do is you just learn to tune yourself in. And you don't let the things outside. Right? What's that field goal kicker do? What's he doing when that ball's there? Right? And he sits there and he concentrates on that football. Right? And he sees that thing. And he's looking at that goal over there. He's looking at that. And he knows he's, he's thinking about his distance. And he's thinking about his routine. And, I mean, there's people yelling and screaming left and right. But he, he ain't even looking at that. Right? He's focused on that football. Right? And then when that when that signal comes and that ball gets there, he goes and he runs to kick that thing. And I mean, away it goes, right? Hallelujah. All right. In Genesis 15, verses 5 to 6, I want you to flip over. And I'm going to share something with you because I had an intimate moment with the Lord. And that's what it's going to take. You're going to need an intimate moment with God, okay? And I trust the Word of God when I'm doing this. And I had an intimate moment with the Lord. So I went to Genesis 15. And I'm reading about what happened with Abraham after uh, Genesis 14 when he had that big battle in the valley. And the Lord came to him and he said he's going to be his reward. And in Genesis 15, verses 5 to 6, he says, He brings Abraham forth abroad. And he says, Look now toward the heaven and tell the stars if you're able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall your seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted unto him in righteousness. All right, I want you to see this, okay? Abraham just didn't come out of his tent that night and just look up and see the stars. No, the Bible says he brought him forth abroad, okay? So the Lord takes Abraham and he lifts him up in a spiritual awakening. He literally lifts him up in the spirit, okay? And now Abraham is is all of a sudden, he may be in the body, he may be out of the body, but he has come forth out of his tent. And he's looking up and he sees stars above him. He sees stars to the left of him. He sees stars to the right of him. He sees, he sees the stars behind him. He sees the stars below him. You know, there's seven different kinds of stars. How many stars do you think are in this galaxy alone? Our galaxy alone. A hundred billion stars in this galaxy. And there's about 10 billion galaxies. That means there's one billion trillion stars in the observable universe. That's 21 zeros after a one. That's how many stars are in the universe. And Abraham is seeing all these things. And the Lord is saying in an instant, can you count these Avraham, see in the night sky, you can see on a good night in, in an in a area where you could go, there's no lights. You could see maybe 5,000 stars. That's countable, folks. So that's how I know he took them. Man, I meditated on that. And I just started getting in an intimate moment with the word, in an intimate moment with the Lord on that. 
He showed Abraham eternal plan. He showed him the eternal plan that God has. Do you know it takes 200,000 years to go from one one end of our galaxy to the other? And that's at the speed of light. That's at 186,000 miles a second. And there's 10 billion galaxies that we know of. And just the foreseeable, you know, just in the visible universe. And it's still creating at that speed. Where do you think we're going, folks? What do you think our life is? What do you think is going to happen? It's an eternal plan that God has for you. When, when we were reading Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, God says, I know the thoughts that I have for you. I don't care what your friends think. I don't care what your grades may have said. I don't care what your boss thinks. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I just care what God thinks about his plan for me, right? I know the plan that I have for you. And when you start realizing that God's got a plan for you, when you start walking in it, that's when it starts happening. That's when it starts happening. Somebody's going to get job. Somebody's going to get promoted here. I'm just sensing it from the Holy Spirit. As I was talking, as I was praying this morning with the Holy Spirit, he's saying, as people are listening to this, he's setting up promotions for some of y'all. They're being set up. He's creating jobs where there are no jobs. I got to ride out with a police officer before I went to Guatemala, and he was kind of sad because he just missed the mark to make corporal. And I said, well, we'll just pray and believe the Lord that he'll, he'll make a way, right? I come back from that trip two weeks later, and he's got a big old smile on his face. See, the chief decided that he wanted five more positions. And so he just happened to be there. So a job was created for him. I mean, God will do those things. I mean, he'll create positions for you. He'll do things for you. I mean, he'll do it. All you got to do is listen to him, right? I tell the kids at the detention center, I say, hey, man. I said, if God tells you to go down to the end of the street and make a taco, make one. Okay, because a week later, some businessman might come driving by. And he'll, he'll get one of your tacos. The Lord will make him hungry. And he'll stop and get one of your tacos. And while you're talking, he'll say, hey, you want to come work for me? You need a job? Yeah. And then the next thing you know, 10 years later, you're one of the assistant vice presidents at the corporation. I mean, this is how God works. And then after 30 years of working there, and after you've done so many things, then the Lord says, now I want you to run for city council. Now I want you to run for senator. And that's, that was God's plan all along. But he did those things to get you there. I mean, this is the love God has for you, right? God knows all these stars by name. He knows you by name. I got a name. Remember that, Jim Croce? I got a name. And it carries, it follows with me everywhere I go, man. And, you know, in Psalms 113, 7 to 8, Psalms 113, 7 to 8, I, I really like this verse. I want you to catch hold of this. Psalms 113, 7 to 8. You got a name, right? Isn't that what Paul said? Right? I bow my knee to this cause, right? In heaven and earth, the whole family is named. You got the name of Jesus. You don't just carry it. You got the name. Oh, I got the name. I got the name, man. I got the name. Oh, man, I got the name. Hey, sickness, I got the name. Hey, poverty, I got the name. Hey, I got news for you. I got the name. I got the name. See the name? I got the name. Hey, with first round draft pick, right? When you get picked by that team, what do they do? They put that number one on you, right? And they put your name on the back. You get the name, right? But you get to wear the logo. And what do you think they do when they get that logo on? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Look at me. And they show that logo, right? If it's a, if it's a, if it's a Cleveland Browns logo, right? Uh-huh. But, uh, oh yeah, they ain't ashamed to show that name on that jersey. Man, you're God's number one draft pick. I mean, he sent Jesus to die for you. To give you these things, you're his number one draft pick, man. You got the name, so you can use the name, okay? Look at this in verse 7. Psalms 13, verse 7. He raises up the poor out of the dust. He lifts up the needy out of the dunghill. Woo, 
anybody here come from a from a humble beginning, as we would some people would say? Uh huh. You see that? My wife and I got together and we read this, and we said, you know, Lord, because our family, you know, my mom was a school teacher, my dad was a cop, but um, I said, you know what, Lord, they came from very humble beginnings, okay? And so I said this, you know, my mom was the first one college educated in my whole family. So it was like, you know, Lord, it's like this. It's like, okay, I'm going to be like Abraham. My family's going to change. This is where it starts, right here, Lord. This is where it starts, me and my kids, right? This is where it begins. I'm always going to have somebody standing before the Lord. Lord, thank you. There's always going to be somebody in my family standing before you. Right? Amen in the name of Jesus. Out of my loins are going to come kings, senators, right? Educators, right? Priests, right? You know, ministers of the gospel, right? Doctors, lawyers, right? Councilmen, things like that. That's going to come out of me. If you can do it for Abraham, you can do it for me, right? I mean, that's what this is all about. And so that's what I said. And so that's what I began to declare over my children and over my family. It stops right here in the name of Jesus. He takes them out of the dunghill. He puts the needy out of the dung. He lifts them up. Now look at verse 8. So that he may set them with the princes. Even the princes of his people. Man, the way I was reading it one day from a, uh, from a Hebrew rabbi, he was saying, those stars in the heaven, right, that Abraham was looking at, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, all the heroines in the Bible, all the heroes in the Bible, all the men and women that did the things of the Lord, and they're in the Hebrews 11 in the book of faith. He's going to put you there. He's going to put your generations there. He's going to lift you up with them. And he's going to give you a spot with them. Hey, he's got an eternal plan for you. This ain't just here in your time. There's more to this. There's more to this. There's more to this in the name of Jesus. Man, when I read that, I got I started running around the room when I read that. Ephesians chapter 3, right? You'll see where I'm going with this. Ephesians chapter 3. We're talking about the love of God here. We're talking about getting intimate with the Word of God and the love of God, okay? And I'm going through some scriptures here, and I'm going to start going through some of them fast, but we're going to get on to something, and I'm, going to, and I'm going to start opening up something that just opened my eyes up about the love of the Lord. But in Ephesians chapter 3, we're talking about the name, right? Ephesians three fourteen. For this cause I bow my knee unto my Father. We were talking about Father last week. My Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you hear Jesus Christ, he's talking about the resurrected, risen Jesus, anointed and appointed. He's the head. You and I are the body. We've been raised up with him and we're seated with him. So look at it like this. Father of our Lord Jesus, the resurrected, risen Messiah, who I'm seated with, who I'm in him and he's in me. He's in the Father and the Father is in me, him. I get to partake of that anointing. That's who he's talking about, right? Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. What? That he would grant us according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. It's in you. It's in you, right? So that Christ can dwell in your hearts and it's by faith, not by works. All you got to do is receive it and believe it. Christ, the resurrected, risen Jesus, right? The same spirit God put in you when you got born again. Not one different. Not one different. That's the same. I got the same spirit Jesus got. Oh, yeah. I've been baptized into the same spirit. I'm in one body with him. Oh, hallelujah, right? By faith that I can be rooted and grounded in his love, that I may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. To know the love of God, to know the love of Christ, to know it, to get intimate with it, right? To have a relationship with it, right? To get so deep in there, that burning and that yearning on the inside of it. Glory be to God, right? It passes the knowledge of the brain. 
mind, I'll sit there and I'll talk to my mind. Listen, mind, shut up. I got something now to tell you. I'm going to tell you what the word of God says about this situation. Now you get in line with the word of God. I'll talk to my body. I Thank you, body, for telling me there's pain in there. I, I got it. Thank you. Okay, thanks for sending me the signals. That's what you were designed to do, right? You're an instrument. You're just a design to house my spirit and the Holy Spirit. And the two of us together are one in the name of Jesus. But now let me tell you something. You're going to spit that sickness out. You're going to spit that disease out. I don't have to live with this. I don't have to take this. Jesus died for this. He got it back for me. He bought it back for me. This is all about love. This is all based on love, right? So I ain't going to take this. I ain't going to carry this. So shut up and just come into alignment with the word of God, right? I tell my body what to do, right? Now what Paul said, Paul said he buffets himself. I mean, he get in line, right? He starts telling his body to get in line. This is the love of God, right? Unto, it works in us. That power that works in us, it's in us, right? It's there. All we got to do is stir it up. Now, one of the things I, I was doing is, is about a snowflake, okay? You know, there's six different groups of snowflakes, okay? There's eight kinds of snowflakes, but there's six different groups. They all have six arms. And a snowflake is made by time and pressure. But just because there's water up there and the temperature's right, it doesn't mean a snowflake is going to occur. It has to have some kind of particle that it can attach to. Your faith has to attach to God's plan. You've got to attach your faith to the Word of God. Without it, you're just going to sit there dormant, right? But that snowflake comes down. And as that snowflake comes down, it's swirling and it's, and it's swirling and it's spiraling toward the ground. And as it goes down that time and that pressure that's applied to that thing right it gets bigger the design gets better and there's not one snowflake alike and think of the trillions of snowflakes when i was a little kid i used to lay down on the ground right and i used to watch those snowflakes come down at night you know i'd sit under we had a street light out in front of our house and i just sit there and i'd watch them come down and i'd look at those little snowflakes because i remember that not one is the same because my mom told me that when i was little you know not one snowflake's the same and my mind couldn't conceive that right And so I'd sit there in the wonder of the Lord. But those things come down, and they're created by time and pressure. Imagine you walking in the blessing. Imagine you knowing God's love. Imagine you allowing the Lord to mold you and to shape you through your life. Right? Isn't that what the Bible says? The steps that we take of the Lord, he guides them and directs us, right? How, and one of the translations in the message says, how else would we know where to go, right? How, how else would I know which way to turn? But each step you take in life, each time you're attending to the word of God, each time you're listening to the love of the Lord, each time you're intimate with the word and you're letting abide in you and you're abiding in it and you understand that love, right? It's forming you. It's transitioning in you. Just like that snowflake that comes to the ground. And man, that snowflake sure does look pretty. I've seen some of them the size of a dime. Some of them said they get to the size of quarters and stuff. I haven't seen them that big, but God's blessing is on you. It is on you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, what I want to do is is to let you know you have to receive and cherish the love of God. And what I want to do is I want to go to John chapter 8. I love John chapter 8. This is my number one bread and butter. When I go into the prisons and I minister to these guys, I start doing John chapter 8. I start preaching that thing, and everybody starts coming up to their cell block. Some of them tell me to shut up. Some of them say amen, you know. But I don't care. I start spinning around in circles, and I just start saying, yeah, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you something about love, right? I'm going to show you about the love of God. He loved you so much, he sent Jesus to die for you. But in John chapter 8, Jesus is in the temple, right? And he's giving a message. And there's probably hundreds of people in there crammed in that little area, probably crammed in some area listening to Jesus. And he's preaching, right? And he's teaching them what he normally talks about, the, the things that he does. I'm the light of the world, right? A poor man, you don't have to be poor anymore. Sick man, you don't have to be sick anymore. I'm the Messiah. I've come here. I am the light. You know, all that. He's preaching everything. And then they take this woman that's caught in the act of adultery. Now, in those days, adultery... That was a, you're going to the chair, girl. I mean, you're going to the chair, guy. I mean, that's what it was back in those days, right? 
And so these guys, they bring this girl in. Jesus is giving a message, and they throw this girl down in front of him. And then they get in his face, okay, and they pressure him. They say, hey, Jesus, hey, we just got this girl, right, in the act of adultery. Now, what does the word of God say? What does the law say? It says she's not only she condemned, but she's going to hell right now, right? And so they get in his face, and they're pressuring them. Well, what's it say in Proverbs? A word in the right season at the right time, how good it is, right? Joy comes from the answer of your mouth, right? So Jesus just gets on the ground, and he just starts writing. You know what he's doing? He's waiting here from the Holy Spirit, right? He's meek. He's not going to react to the situation. He's going to react to how God tells him, right? And so they're in his face, and they're, they're constant. The Bible says they're, he's const, they're constantly in his face telling them about this. They got into the position to where they were using the word of God as a weapon. Okay, They were using it as a weapon to accuse, and that's what the enemy does. He takes the word of God, and he uses it as a weapon against you. He takes the Old Testament. He took those Ten Commandments, and he stuck it up in front of them like a mirror, right? And he said, hey, look at that, God. And he would point those things out, right? And then he'd point it out to you, right? And uh, there was no mediator, right? Now what Job was crying out, if I only had an umpire, if I only had a mediator, right? Someone who could stand for me in the heavens, right? Okay, so here comes Jesus, and what does he do with the word of God? He sets her free. That's for, let, let that sink in a little bit, a little bit. Let that sink in. Okay, let that sink into you. When you see things going on around you, what are you using the word of God for? Are you using it to condemn because that's what this is about. Because that word condemn, krino and katakrino in the Greek means it's like a judge with a gavel and he's bringing it down, sentence, that's it. She's written off, you're going to hell, girl. And uh, Jesus didn't do that, right? So he comes up to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders that know thou shalt not murder, that know the Ten Commandments, right? And he says, hey guys, okay, if you want to take the place of God and you want to judge somebody... You're going to be held to that judgment standard. I mean, basically, that's what he's saying. You judge, you're going to be judged, right? So if you're in a position to judge, okay, and you're without sin, go ahead and chuck that first rock, okay? Man, that did something to him. That was straight from God, straight from heaven. And they understood what Jesus was talking about when he said it, right? Because nobody wants to take the place of God. I don't have the right to tell somebody they're going to hell. I know if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. I know that because I know the word now, and I know how love works and how the blessing works. But I'm not going to sit a guy sometimes in the face of the Holy Spirit's leaving. I'm not going to condemn him. And I think this is why a lot of people have trouble receiving Jesus is because some Christians are out there condemning. And you've got to remember, if you're going to set a measurement, you better be careful because the devil's going to make sure you get to test that measurement. He really is. So what you do is, is love doesn't rejoice over the sin. Love is not afraid to point what the sin is, right? But love is not going to condemn Love is going to set that person free. Because what does Jesus do? They, they drop those rocks, right, one by one. And when they heard it, they were convicted. That's the Holy Ghost talking to them, right? And they walk away from the oldest to the least. And then in verse 10, when Jesus lifted himself up and he saw nobody's there but the woman, he says, woman, where are your accuser? Has no man condemned thee? Jesus said, John three sixteen. I love the world. God loved the world so much that he sent me. That whoever believes in him has this thing called life. Oh, man, that's when I start talking to these guys. Life. You don't have to live in the curse anymore. You don't have to be controlled by darkness anymore. You can live in light. You can learn how to walk in the blessing. You don't have to walk in the curse anymore. You don't have to let it control you anymore. Oh, man, all the eyes start looking at me in the open cells and in the prison. They all start coming up wanting to know about this. They know what sin is. I'm serious. Seriously, they know what sin is. They know it. They know why they're in there. They know what's causing it. They don't know how to stop it, right? But when I start telling them how you can stop this, that's, that catches their attention, and they start coming in, right? So he says, where are your accusers? Does anyone condemn you? She says, no, Lord. He says, 
I don't condemn you either. In verse 11, he says, now, go, one word from God, right? One word from God, recede, will change your whole life. Go and sin no more, right? Man, that girl left free. I mean, every chain that was on here from the devil, every sexual vice that was on here. And there's some people struggling with sexual identity. You know, there's people struggling with pornography. There's people struggling with sexual sins, right? All types of fornication, right? Gone, just like that, because Jesus set her free, right? I mean, he spoke that one word, right? And now she said free. What do you think those people that were sitting there listening to thought about Jesus when he was doing that? There's hundreds of people sitting there. And that's that's Rabbi so-and-so. That's Rabbi so-and-so. That's the judge. That's the Sanhedrin judge right there. That's the guy that gave Brother so-and-so the ticket the other day. That's the guy that, that judged so-and-so the other day, right? And now here's Jesus. This woman's caught in the act of adultery. Everybody knows she's a no-good slum, right? Everybody calls her a name. Oh, man, but not now, right? And they're all sitting there with their faces like this. And Jesus turns and he looks at him. Now, this is the love of God, right? And he says, I'm the light of the world, guys. Oh, hey, you follow me. You don't have to walk in darkness anymore, right? You can have this thing called the light of life, working knowledge of life. And that's why I begin to tell people, hey, all you got to do is learn how to walk in this thing. All you got to do is learn how to walk in it, Right? You don't know how to walk in it. You know what Jesus said in John 3 when he's going down there and he's talking about it? He says, this is why people do sin because they love sin because their deeds are evil. They're stuck into that, right? They're stuck in that trap. Their deeds are evil. Their thinking's evil. They've been grown all that way. They begin to trust it. They begin to learn how to walk in it, right? So to them, life is like rolling the dice. And sooner or later, their number comes up and then they deal with it, right? But as long as they're rolling the dice and then a different number keeps coming up, they think it's God's will and all this and that. But he said their deeds are evil, right? But he says, hey, people that begin to recognize the light and they want to come learn how to live in this thing called life, they come running to it. They come running to the blessing. Man, and he starts closing the doors one by one in their life. Closing the doors one by one. And then because he would later say, hey, if you come to me, you'll be my disciple. I'll teach you my word. I'll teach you how to walk in life. And the truth will set you free. Oh, man, can you imagine what that must have been to those, to those folks that were sitting there and they were listening to that? Can you imagine that? I mean, I started crying when I read this. The tears just started coming down my eyes, right? Because um, I had just got born again, and my life was a mess. And, um, and I, just, I, I just got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I won't get into how I did it, but I did. It took the Lord a little while, but because my flesh was re, re, rejecting it. But I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And uh, next thing I know, I'm out there preaching Jesus, telling everybody about the love of Jesus. Man, I didn't care who it was. I didn't care what, man. I was telling, hey, do you know the gospel means good news? Hey, I got good news for you. Hey, you can have this. You can have this thing called the blessing. So I go in there and I tell those guys that. They just enjoy it. And, they, and then they just start asking for the blessing. When are you coming back? When you, I'll come back next week if you guys are still here. Relentless love. That's what God has. Relentless love for you. And, uh, and in Romans 5, 5 to 8, it talks about how God has that relentless love. Even, you know, I was dead in sins. And what I want to do is I want to go to uh, Ephesians chapter 2 for sake of time. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. I want... <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, how can you not get excited about this? In verse 1, 2, and 3, he talks about how he quickens you. He makes you alive right? He gives you life. That word in the Greek is Zoe, right? They couldn't even describe it. All they could say is what makes God, God. I mean, it's what makes him move. It's his thoughts. It's his heart. It's everything. It's his power. It's what made God, God. That's what you got when you got born again. You talk about love. 
right? Oh, man. And he said, he's rich in mercy in verse 4. He's rich in mercy. It's unlimited, his mercy for you. His great love, that he loves you so much, even when I was dead in sin. That's right. When Joseph was a sinner, man. When I was running around lower than than an alley cat, man. Right? He quickened me, right? He made me alive together with Christ. Oh, he let me sit. He raised me up in verse 6. He let me sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Here we go. Here's that eternal plan. So that in the ages to come, he can show me his riches, right? Ooh, glory to God through Christ Jesus, right? Guys, look at this. You've been raised to sit with Jesus. Oh, no. Oh, you're sitting with Jesus. Okay. This is considered blasphemy to some people. You are seated with Jesus, okay? Hey, where's Jesus seated? He's in the Godhead, okay? Hey, that caught my attention right there. It gets your attention right here. Who are you seated with? And that's what he said in Colossians 3, verse 1. Hey, man, you're seated with Jesus, right? That's who you should be thinking about. That's who you should be talking about, right? That's who you should be loving. I mean, that's where your thoughts should be, right? Is in that. I, I tell everybody, okay, sin is like gravity, right? It holds you. It keeps you on the ground, right? But there's one law that supersedes another law, and that's called lift, right? The law of lift. Man, that gravity can pull on that plane all day. But as long as it's operating in the law of lift, you can pull on me all you want, sin. But because I got Jesus in me and I got the love of the Lord on the inside of me, curse, you can pull all you want. Devil, you can huff and puff all you want in the name of Jesus. But it ain't going to blow me down, right? Because I'm going to tend to the word. I'm going to make sure I'm in that, right? So if I could show you in science how one law supersedes another law, why can't you believe that the blessing of God can't supersede the sickness in your life? Why can't you believe that the blessing of God, what you've been entitled to, can't supersede that poverty in your life? Why can't you let the Lord open up an avenue for you? And, and hey, that's why God does a miracle so that you know it's him. I mean, I, I love how he does these things. Oh, and then... Um, if, and I'm going to just say these scriptures, and you can write these down if you want. But in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, in Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, in Deuteronomy 11, verse 13, in Deuteronomy 13, 3, it says you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's fervent love that you love him with. Why do we do the commandments? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus says in Luke 10, 27, in Mark 20, 30, and in Matthew 37 to 40. He says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love one another. He says, if you love me, you'll do my commandments. He says, I love the Father, and I do his commandments. If you love me, you'll do my commandments, and me and the Father will come to you. We'll make our abode in you. We'll live in you. (laughs) You want to talk about seeing Jesus in you? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay? I serve the Lord because I love him. I do his commandments because I love him, man. I mean, that's why I'm doing it. That's what Jesus is saying. I ain't doing this because I have to. I'm doing it because I love them. I love them. I love them. I ain't ashamed to say Jesus. Are you kidding? I'm not ashamed to say his name and that I love him. Not at all. Mm. Man, we had a guy one time, because there was a situation where people weren't happy when I was at the Pentagon about one of our bosses said. So what do people get to do when they get together? Oh, they like to do strife, right? They like to get together and talk about, it. you know what they said, you know what boss just said, what they ordered us to do. And so they're all saying these bad things. I said, well, you know what I do? I just pray to the Lord about it and see if he can change it. Don't you proselytize me. Don't you talk about Jesus to me. I'm offended. I started laughing and I said, what? You mean you can sit here and cuss and swear my boss out and you can cuss and swear in front of me and you can say all these things about strife about him. 
But then if I say I love Jesus and I want to talk about Jesus and I have an answer to it through prayer, I said, no, I'm going to talk about Jesus, right? I'm going to respond to this how Jesus would respond to it. I said, no, man, stand up for your rights, guys. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't be ashamed to say the name of Jesus. Don't, man, because the Lord says in Psalms 103, he executes righteousness and judgment for those that get oppressed. Oppressed doing what? Doing his word, right? And so that's what I said. It's like the meek turned their cheek, man. I ain't going to respond like you. I ain't going to respond in hate because I got to respond in love. So that's what we're going to do. So let's go to 1 John. In the last 10 minutes here, I want to go to 1 John, and we're going to go to chapter 2. Boy, John is the love chapter. Oh, amen. It is the love chapter chapter. I, I always like to go to 1 John. My Bible is just so highlighted with stuff in 1, 2, and 3 John. 1 John chapter 2. We'll start at verse 3. And he's talking here and he says, Hereby we do know that we know him. How do we know if we know him? We keep his commandments. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah, if you love God, you want to do what God says. If those that are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, right? I walk in the fruit of the Spirit now. I walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, long-suffering. I walk in those things now. I grow in those things. Man, when I found out I had God's character and nature in me when I got born again, I wanted to live in those things. I wanted to show in those things, right? So that's how you know you love Him. But he that says, I know Him, but he doesn't keep His commandments, right? He's a liar. The truth ain't in Him. Why? Because those that keep His word, in Him verily the love of God is perfected. Hereby we know that we are in Him. If he says he abides in him, he ought also to walk even as he walked. You want to see Jesus in your life? You want to see God manifest in your life? Start walking in love. Just ask Holy Spirit. That's what he said in John 14, right? Let's go to John 14, verse 15. We'll come back. Hold your place because we're going to come back to 1 John. I'm just showing you stuff in the Word, okay? I'm just letting the Word minister to you. I want you to see it in the Word. I want you to see it that that's, this is Jesus talking. John 14, 15, right? He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Then he said he's going to pray to send the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit he's got, right? He's not going to leave you comfortless. You're not alone. Verse 21. He that has my commandments and keeps them, that's the dude that loves me, right? And he that loves me will be loved of my Father. And when I read this last sentence, I just got excited. I'll love you, and I'll manifest myself to you. Man, God wasn't showing up in my life, right? And I realized it was my love walk. You mean all I got to do is just love you, Jesus, get intimate with you, get intimate in your word, let your words abide in me and in me and your words, and just start learn how to operate in this, learn how to walk in this, have working knowledge of this, and, and I can get the same results you did, so I started doing it. Man, that's when the miracles happened. That's when the wonders started happening in my life. Verse 23, Jesus answered, and he says, If a man loves me, he'll keep my words. My Father will love him. We will love him. <laughs> We'll come unto him. Woo, we'll start living in you. Oh, yeah. And I, I did this once before, but I like to do it again. <laughs> I'm possessed by Jesus. Oh, man. I go in there in the prisons and I look at Hey, guys, I'm possessed by Jesus, man. I'm telling you that it, it gets everybody's attention. Yeah, I got something living in me. And it's called Jesus, man. 
And I'm telling you, I'm in the blessing, man. Look at me. I'm 52 years old, but I don't look it, right? I tell you what, I still exercise. I still run. I still have, I, I got my body. I'm in health, man. I got the, you know what? The Lord blessed me. He gave me a good girl, man. God gave me a good girl. Oh, did he give me a good girl, right? I'm telling you, woo, he gave me a good girl. And then I say this, oh man, he's blessed me. Oh, he's blessed. You know, my kids are blessed. You know, I don't have to suffer what the world suffers. You know, I got a, the Bible says that the blessing of God surrounds me like a shield in Psalms 512. You know, I got favor around me. You know, the favor of God is around me. You know that? And they start looking at me like, really? Yeah, really. You know, and, uh, it catches their attention, right? Oh, we're possessed by Jesus, man. Can you imagine that being possessed by God? I was like, I, you have to read it to see it, you know, and just meditate in it. Man, in John 15. John 15. Yeah, let's go to John 15, verse 10. Yeah, let's let the Word talk to us, right? Come on, Word, talk to us. John 15, verse 10, right? If we keep His commandments, you shall abide in my love, right? If you keep my commandments as I kept my Father's commandments, I abide in His love, right? These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might be in you, right? And so that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just like I loved you. Wow, Jesus, you mean I can do the same things you did? You mean I can have the same kind of life you did? You mean I can walk into a room? You know, when Darth Vader walked into the room, we call it command attention when I was in the military. When a general walked in, you knew it. And he let you know he was a general, right? You could tell he had that command attention, right? Even when he was out of uniform, everybody's saluting him. Everybody's going around doing what he says to do because he's got that. He's got that aura around him, and he's going to let you know he's got it, right? Okay, you got the love of God inside you. And when you walk into a room, man, the devil should be checking you out, man. I mean, when you walk into a room, man, sickness has got to start quivering. When you walk into a room, man, poverty's got to start saying, I got to go in the name of Jesus. Oh, man, you got the love of God in on the inside of you, right? And all you got to do is stir it up. All you got to do is turn that little switch on and let that LED light come on on the inside of you. Let that light show, man. Woo, let the shower of his power, man. Let it start flowing. Stay in the spray of his ray, man. That's why I start saying stuff like that. Let that glow flow, man. I mean, let it go, folks. Let that thing burn, man. Let them see that love. Because greater love hath no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you to do, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Right? I don't call you a servant, right? Because a servant's a robot, right? Servant's a robot, isn't it? Right? But you're a friend, man. You're a friend in the name of you. You're a brother, man. Hey, you're a father. You're a son. You're a daughter, right? Oh, man. But I have called you friends. Ooh, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit does? He takes of the Father and he shows it unto you. Can you imagine what we could do with that? And I read that in the Scriptures. I had to read it like five or six times. Wait a second, Lord. You mean to tell me the Holy Spirit's going to... You're sitting on a throne, right? You mean to tell me that what the Father is telling you, you're going to tell me? And you're going to be the vine. You're connected to the source. I'm going to be your branch. You're the head. I'm your body. You're going to do things in me. You're going to let me walk in this love. You're going to let me show this love. I said, yeah, let's start doing it. So what's the first thing you do? You start you start running down the street. You just start witnessing everybody. You just start telling everybody Jesus loves them. Right? I don't care. If they, I, know the, I know how evangelism works. It's a process, right? One plants, another waters. It's like fruit on a tree. It just ripens. One day it's ready to pick. You know, somebody will get to pick it, you know. But you, it, but it's a process, right? You just get excited. One John, verse chapter 4. One John chapter 4. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amen. One John chapter 4, verse 7. Hey, beloved, let us love one another. For God is love. 
And everyone that loveth is born of God, and he knows God. There's that intimacy, right? Oof. He that loves, loves not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And in verse 9, it says, This is how the manifestation of God is toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him, here in his love, that we love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Man, talk about that love. Jesus went straight into the belly of hell, man. I mean, we got a commander that went into the field of battle for us and took the responsibility of our sin and took it on himself. You don't got a sleeping God up there. You don't have a sleeping commander up there. He took responsibility for our actions. I'd like to see Buddha do that. I'd like to see some of these other stone statues that people just look at that are just rocks or false gods. No, no, no. This God, our God, the real God, the Father, right? He took responsibility for my action. He went and he, Jesus went and paid the price in hell for me, right? He took that responsibility and I said, all right, son, I took, I, I, I did it. I took your guys' fault. I took your guys' sin so that you don't have to do that, right? So that you can now walk in this, this gift called being a son and a daughter that I've always wanted you to walk in. Man, that's powerful. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We got to learn how to walk in this love, right? We got to learn how to walk in this thing. Because it's going to be, that's what's going to change things, right? Man, the Holy Spirit's going to do some miracles through some of y'all. I want to hear about them. I want to hear about it when you go out there and, and you're standing there in the shopping line, right? And the Lord tells you to buy somebody's grocery or the Lord tells you to do this, right? Or there's a little kid walking in a wheelchair and all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes on you and tells you to say a word over him. The kid gets up and starts walking. You know, I, I want to hear these things. Because God's not an absentee God. He's out there, right? All you got to do is be tuned in. Verse 12, no man has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, oh, listen to this. Hey, how many times people want to see God? How many times do you want to see the glory of God? Just Isn't that what Philip said or in, in the New Testament, right? He said, just show us God, that'll suffice. Wasn't it? And in John 14, one of them all said that, right? Just show us God, just show us his glory, that'll suffice. He said, hey man, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and they're going to see the Father in you because you're going to be in me and I'm going to be in you. That's what he says, if we love one another, God dwells in you, and his love will be perfected in you. That's how we know that we dwell in him, verse 13, and he is in us, because he's given us his spirit. We have not seen, we do and testify this to that, that we're of the Son, right? The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. And then verse 16, we have known and believed. See, you're going to trust what you believe. You're going to trust what you believe. So if you're spending time in the Word of God and you're spending time praying with God, that's what you're going to believe, right? That's what you're going to believe. That's what's going to take place. Man, listen, if God could take me, a kid who out of 120 kids, I graduated like 78 or 80 in my class. I wasn't even smart enough to get a scholarship, right? So I joined the Army, right? And then all of a sudden, I start... I just start being led by the Holy Spirit to do the, to, to just go do certain things. So I join the army for a couple of years, right? I get in there and, um, just start being led by the Lord. Just start having dreams and visions. Then I get out and then I go to school and then I graduate college. Now I, now I graduate with honors. I never did that before, right? So the Lord's got a plan for me. He's moving me. And then I join the Air Force because they have better food than the army does. And they, they treat you better than what they do in the army. So, so anyway, I'm like, I'm going to be an officer this time because I don't want to get take orders anymore. I want to be the guy that, that gets to think because when I was in the army, they told me to shut up when I had a good idea because you're just supposed to take orders and do what you're told. You don't, you're not paid to think. So, so when I went in the Air Force, he said, hey, we'll take your idea. That's a good idea, and we'll run with it. So I was like, yeah. And the Army's gotten better. I, I love my brothers and sisters in the Army. They're great people. I love them. 
I'm just having some fun. I just like to poke sometimes at the Army and the, and the Marine guys there, you know, just tell them about that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is where I'm going to finish up at. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Right, this is what love does, right? Verse 1 says, Oh, I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have charity. I'm just a sounding brass. I'm just a tinkling cymbal, right? Yeah, who, who here did band? I did band for a few years, right before they practice. <laughs> What's it sound like? Oh, man. All these noises. You know, that's what it sounds like, right? You know, but he says, uh, that was a good example. But, but in verse 2, even though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can move mountains, right? But I don't have love, right? Charity, I'm nothing. And even though I bestow my gifts to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned, but I don't have love, it's not going to profit me one bit, right? Because this is what love does. It suffers long. It's kind. You know, love, charity, it doesn't envy. It doesn't vaunt itself up, right? It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. It doesn't seek its own, right, her own. I like how he uses the word her own. See, he's cherishing in this. It's like an intimate moment with him. He's learned how to walk in this. He's learned how to show the love of the Lord through him. He's learned how to understand this, right? Oh, it's just powerful. He's talking about things of the fruit of the Spirit in here, right? It's not evilly provoked, and it doesn't think any evil, right? Remember we talked about John chapter 8? What did Jesus see in that woman? Think about it. What did he see in that gal? That woman caught in the act of adultery, the one that the world calls a hussy, the one that the world just looks down on, right? I mean, the one that the world could even care less about, not even blink an eye. And what's, what's Jesus do when he sees her? Got the big, can you just imagine? He got the biggest smile on his face, right? Just loving on her. What's Jesus see? I mean, what do you see in people? Do you do what Paul says here, what love does? Do you see the good in them? Can you see good in somebody? I mean, can you see that in somebody? Can you see them like Jesus sees them? Man, I remember reading Isaiah. When the Lord says, I have eyes that will see that people don't have, right? He'll judge, but he won't judge like the world judges, right? He'll judge by what the Father tells him. Oh, man, when I read that, I started crying. I was like, man, Lord. I mean, he did something to me because I, I had little esteem, right? Because I came from a little esteemed family, right? And then I read this and found out who I was. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I know there's individuals in here, who, Father, who might be sensing that God doesn't love them. There might be individuals in here, Father, who may not think they have value in the name of Jesus. There may be somebody online who's watching that may not think they have value, but that's not true, right? I mean, a $20 bill is a $20 bill in the name of Jesus. That's what it is, and it has its value. And it doesn't matter if it's thrown in the garbage, flushed down the toilet. I mean, it doesn't matter. That thing, when it's out and it's dried and it's put back in, it's got to be honored. It's legal tender in the name of Jesus. And, Father, if there's any individual in here right now who doesn't feel like God loves them in the name of Jesus, who doesn't feel like he's got a plan and a dream for him, who doesn't believe that God can take him from the dunghill or take her from the dunghill and put them on top because God could send them down to a McDonald's to start flipping burgers, and three years later they own the McDonald's, and then ten years later they own a chain of McDonald's, you know, I, I mean, it, it's, and then they become a successful business person. I mean, this is what the Lord does. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I read in the Bible, Lord, where you said that a wise man is someone that just listens to you. <laughs> I read that and I just got excited. I mean, you mean I can be more smart than a, than, a, than a rocket scientist? All I got to do is listen to you, Lord. That's what a wise man is. And he just fears the Lord. 
And he just runs to him with his arms. And he says, Lord, teach me. And Holy Spirit, said, you said you'd teach me all things. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for just putting that in people in the name of Jesus. Letting them see that in Jesus' name. Letting them see that the Lord loves them in the name of Jesus. Man, as, as I was praying this morning, folks, I heard it. As I asked the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And he, did, he wanted me to pray over everybody, right? And he wanted me to say this. There are promotions. There are jobs opening up right now. Yeah, he is. He's making a way right now. Take this and run with this, okay? For those of you who think that God doesn't love you and he doesn't have a dream or a plan for you, how old was Moses when God started using him? Dude, man, how long till that thing was birthed? You know, Joseph, when he was in prison, a lot of prisoners like to use that story. And I said, hey, Joseph wasn't thrown in there because he was a criminal. He was thrown in there because he was believing God, okay? But I always use that story, though, as an example, and I'll use that as a testimony. Joseph began to believe on God even when he was in that situation, and the Lord began to change things. So I highly encourage you, and I I just want to share a testimony because there was one guy in the prison. His name is Tim. That's all I'll say. And I started talking to him about two months ago, okay? And so I said, give me three months with you, and and we'll see what happens, what what the Word of God does. This guy, I'm not going to say what he's in for. I'm not going to say what he's facing. But um, it was rough at the beginning. It was rough at first start, right? But the time and effort and the energy started going into him. The prayers started going into him. The prayers that you pray for somebody, that long-suffering that you did, right? Okay. He, he would get in fights with the guards. He would get in fights with everybody else. He was had a short handle. He'd fly off the fuse, right? Now when he walks in, there's, there's a glow on him. He sits down now and he shows me things in the Bible. Because when we started this, I said, my joy is going to be when I see the Word of God in you and working in you. And then you start telling me about the Word of God, and you start praying for me. I've had prisoners pray for me. And I mean, these are Holy Ghost prayers. And I take them, and, um, and he had an encounter last night. Oh, not last night, the night before. He had an encounter, and he saw Jesus. And I, I want to tell you something. I mean, you know what that means? When, when somebody who's, who's thinking that their life is messed up, and tears are coming out of their eyes, and they, and they come up to you and they tell you, I saw Jesus. I saw him. I saw him in my dreams. And I mean, he was so excited. And I mean, hey, that's, what, that's what's inside of you. That's what's in, You are a carrier of his presence. You have a sphere of influence. All you got to do is open up your mouth, and the Lord will put words in there you never even knew were in there. And I mean, you're gonna, these are the last days, guys, the last days. So let's show the love of the Lord. Can you, can you see I'm doing evangelism pitch here? <laughs> Amen in the name of Jesus. Hey, we're a church on the move. But God bless you all.